0: Welcome to Martial Wisdom. Here you can listen to conversations on all kinds of topics related to martial arts. In today's conversation, we are covering the topic of Waza, or sacrifice throws. Joining me in this discussion is Dan Halloway, host of the podcast, The Martial View. Before we start, please consider supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Spirit Aikido online program, which currently has more than 160 videos. Another option is to contribute any amount you like through the PayPal tip jar. Even small contributions are greatly appreciated. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now, on with the discussion. Well, I want to welcome Dan Holloway back to the show. We're going to have a great discussion today on Waza or sacrifice throws. Uh, these are something, this comes from a listener question a while back who asked me on my opinion on, on Waza and using them. And so we wanted to have a conversation today between uh, the two of us on our thoughts on, on Sutemi Waza. And um, so welcome back, Dan. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this will be fun, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I guess to get started, the, my first thought when he asked me this question was, I, I, I love training him. I love practicing him. I love throwing people with him. I love being thrown by them. It's just, it's, it's a blast. It's, it's a great, satisfying, sport. isn't it? Yeah. Satisfying.
1: <laughs> and that's a big,
0: big reason why I train martial arts is for the enjoyment part of it. Um, I think the danger comes in when you take it to a different environment, like in a sport environment where you're not really in fear for your life or in severe yeah. danger. Um, they work really well, I, you know. And, and judo proves that that they are solid techniques. In fact, even kind of dangerous, if I remember right. Uh, judo eliminated the drop Sayonage from competition because of the danger involved so it's definitely they are techniques that will that can actually be you know harmful to your attacker for sure Um, yeah. and of course in self-defense that's kind of a thing but they also present a danger in that if they don't work or your your opponent is able to successfully counter them you can yeah. be in a real world of trouble. So uh, let's let's get into it. Let's start with your your thoughts on on uh Sutemiwaza.
1: Yeah, as you said, I think it's an absolute blast to train and it's fun. And, you know, that's, that's one of the main reasons for people training martial arts. They want to have fun. They want to enjoy themselves and they just want to enjoy the training and learning different aspects of the martial arts. So I think that's, that's just a fantastic area to study. And the sutemiwaza or the sacrifice throws is just cool. And like so satisfying when you pull one off and then so satisfying being on the end of one as well. It's just, it's just a really cool area to study, I think. But as, as you rightly said, we get into a bit of a tricky area as In fairness, with most things we do when we talk about self-defense and and the applicability of things, because it's a sacrifice throw. So in the very name, you're sacrificing yourself to start off with. And that's a bit of a risky concept when it comes to self-defense, because competitions, maybe you can recover, you can get something back. Training, you can definitely do it. You can just reset and go, ah, I messed that one up. Self-defense, you don't have that luxury. So what you need, and this this just goes regardless of what you're training in, in terms of martial arts, you need things that are low risk and high reward. And that just goes for martial arts in general, especially if you look in terms of self-defense. Low risk, high reward, things that are going to work well a high percentage of the time and not work a low percentage of the time. And, you know, sacrifice throws, they're a little bit on the cusp, maybe, because you just are, you know, as we said, it's, it's in the name. <laughs> it's a sacrifice and you're sacrificing your position to hopefully attain a better position and put your opponent in a worse position. But
0: it's a risk. Sure. One of the things as I was training these and, and with my partners that I could do this with, usually a little bit more advanced people that had better, what I found with them is that when your position was already compromised, i.e. like you were already being thrown, yeah. that's when you kick in and say, I'm, I'm taking you with me. And that's where the sacrifice throw, throw, throw really kick, would kick in, I think in reality. For sure. But to give up a good solid standing position to go to the ground to, to execute a sacrifice throw, I think that's where the line is. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be a recovery from a horrible situation. You're in the middle of being thrown or chucked or falling, and you need to take somebody with you um, yeah. rather than be on the ground and have them in a superior standing position. So I think that there is an applicability aspect to a real world scenario. Yeah. I think the training in them, and this is where you can be careful of having so much fun. <laughs> that you, you say, hey, I'm standing, but I don't care. I'm going to go down and, and toss somebody anyway. Um, yeah. The environment we do that in on a mat is usually on a somewhat padded surface. We've got plenty of room around us. Uh, we, there's usually nobody else there. There's nothing yeah. dangerous on the ground for us to, to encounter when we go down. And we also count on another aspect that we can be faster back to our feet than the person that we just threw um as well as having the space if you do it did a sacrifice throw and i and you put me towards a wall or a railing and i could just put out my hand and stop i would have a there's no way you'd finish the throw you'd be on the ground and i would probably be on top of you yeah especially if i just used gravity and just dropped straight down and these are the things where i really like uh, i'll take my students sometimes into the lobby or the changing room or even a hall, we've got a little hallway in, at my sure. dojo or even into the, the restroom and say, yeah. now think about doing a throw in here. And just having people realize they're in a confined space, things change so drastically. And then to, to go back on the floor and, and do a sacrifice throw where they lay on the ground and said, now think about doing this in that bathroom or in a hallway or in a doorway or in a stairwell. What are you gonna hit your head on when you drop down? What are you falling onto? You know, all these things can ding you up. Um, so there's there's a lot of considerations, I think, for the...
1: Yeah, the there's a lot to unpack there because as you said, it's it's usually a higher level technique for yeah. both the person performing the technique and the person receiving the technique. So usually your Akemi has got to be pretty bang on because it's such a move that you're not really expecting. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time it comes out of nowhere. So it's difficult and it's, it's a more advanced move for both the practitioner and the person receiving this I think so that's definitely one consideration that you need to think about and you know again if you're looking at terms of applicability how far do you have to go down the rabbit hole of martial arts until you get to that that level of advance when you can pull it off sure and you can pull it off um comfortably as well because you've got to think you know in a real life situation it's not the dojo and things like that as, as you know as most martial artists know your adrenaline's fine it's gross motor skills you know um everything's firing off and you know you, you're in that fight or flight situation is it always going to come out? A throws, it throws a thing, most definitely. But a sacrifice throws a thing. Mm, I'm not sure. Mm. On top of that, you've also got to think about the safety of the person. That might not be at the forefront of your mind when you're actually doing a self-defense thing, but it's something that you're going to have to live with after. The concrete's pretty unforgiving. <laughs> the mats are very, very forgiving, you know. And especially if you know how to break fall, because most Aikidoka or judoka or any martial artist will should know how to break fall properly and, and land well but if we're talking about the street again the concrete's a really unforgiving place and that's why you know i think judo's maybe one of the best for self-defense if they grab you but also potentially one of the worst just because you can't do so much damage you know the head going straight into the concrete no we see we see horror stories and horror videos don't we if people getting hit with one knockout just from a punch they hit the head hit the head in the concrete and it's game over they're in hospital and you know that that's their their life kind of you know drastically changed and that's also the person that hit them it's their life drastically changed as well because of the legal repercussions and things like that so there's a lot to unpack there like you said both in terms of the technical side of it is it's an advanced technique and do you necessarily want to use advanced techniques in a self-defense situation when as we said you know everything's firing off and it's gross motor skills and you know, your, your complex motor skills and your fine motor skills are out the window at that point. So you want the high risk, uh, sorry, the low risk, high reward ones. And then secondly, you know, you do need to think about the safety as well of dumping someone's head onto the concrete because it's definitely a thing that you need to think of the aftermath of doing that. And that's the same, obviously, with all self-defense. You punch someone too hard, they go and knock and, you know, and as you've said, you know, think about it. it only takes someone to branch out, put their arm out, do something, and then that's your technique scuppered
0: and you're on the floor. So it's a tricky one. Well, and that's, you know, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think a lot of people will an, uh, analyze, we martial artists tend to go, well, is that technique good enough? Will it be six? Is it a good enough chance of me of having this work or function the way that I want it to or end with the result that I'm looking for? Yeah. Whereas the, you look at it the other way, what if it works too well? What if it, exactly as you describe, and, and there are many instances, I know here in the United States, I believe the same thing over in the UK of what they call a one punch death where there's yeah. some kind of an altercation, you know, real world, usually in a bar to, you know, yeah. typically, but two angry people, one of them punches, the other one basically does a standing knockout and just in the person falling over generally that where the death happens is they hit their head on a door frame on concrete. It's the, yeah. just them falling impact. Now a sacrifice throw really is a falling impact with even more energy on it. Exactly. So you're, you're like shooting them out of a cannon generally and uh, a lot of the sacrifice throws that i'm familiar with usually have the attacker going face first down usually over you there's some other ones too but um you know in fact i've got this great video of a of a woman and i don't know where this video is from it looks like a third world country and she grabs this guy who looks like he's drunk, but he's I think I've seen religion. it. Yeah, you've seen that one. And she just learns and does this fantastic like textbook drop Sayanage. And he goes yep. right down on his face onto Eats the ground. The his neck goes by. <laughs> You just you can't not cringe when you watch that video. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about wrecking somebody. And I've never heard of any of the aftermath of that incident. I don't know if the guy was hurt. I would say he probably wasn't killed because really being drunk and hitting the ground relaxed is your best chance of not getting hurt. Yeah,
1: for sure, yeah.
0: Right, and, he, and it looked like he was sort of drunk. Um, but it, had there been a post right behind her, he would have gone head first in the skull right into that post or into a wall or into something like that. Um, you know, I think that the, the considerations of, of, a, of a technique working too well yeah. is a problem. And, and that's yeah. one of those. And I, I like to tell my students, because I think this is very true. We get spoiled throwing each other around when we are throwing people that have good ukemi. And oh, for sure. Go, yeah, oh, This is no big deal. I can just chuck somebody. And then you get a wake up call when you get a brand new student in and you realize, oh, I, I can't throw them that way or they're going to come right down on their face. Yeah.
1: Having having a good OK is like, you know, it's rare yeah. if you've got one, keep them and, you know, use them. Right.
0: It you know, and we train everybody to eventually learn to roll out of some pretty yeah. aggressive throws and to get comfortable with being chucked and thrown and and that's a good thing but it's also a bit of a reality check um yeah. you know of course we also do it in a, in a dojo environment usually where there's plenty of space we're not we don't have obstacles around this um, is it yeah. you know and that sort of thing so well, this is the other thing
1: most altercations will happen outside or inside in bars and things like that, where there's other people. And, you know, performing something like a sacrifice throwing a bar is never going to go well because you're going to knock into other people. You're going to knock into, as you've said before, you know, the guy or girl or whoever could post and just put something, you know, put a hand on a bar, put the hand on a wall, things like that. And if not, you're going to piss off a load of other people at some point as well. You know, you're going to knock people, other people's drinks over and stuff like that and probably make the situation worse in that respect sure. rather than just doing another, um, another option perhaps or using some of the soft skills and, or preemptive strikes, things like that. But, you know, a big dramatic <laughs> sacrifice throw in the middle of a bar, although it may look cool and, and very movie Hollywood-esque Steven Seagal, it may not be the best uh, the best real life Sure.
0: You know, and then there is also the consideration, uh, in my opinion, a sacrifice throw, probably not that athletic of a move, but getting back up off the ground quickly is an athletic move. Not only does it take good, uh, decent flexibility and strength, but it also will take a certain pretty high level of energy and the, even more important, in a real world situation, it takes time. Yeah. And that can be precious time when there are other people around Um yeah. Those milliseconds count. Yeah, exactly. Time is is precious, and and you know, we, we, a lot of people in Aikido they've got either some bad knees, bad hips, bad back. Maybe they're a bit overweight. All of these things are factors to consider. So if you're a you know young strapping twenty four year old guy that's that's fit, yeah, popping up off the ground, no big deal. You know, of course, now you consider well, is the, the floor slippery? Is the floor wet? Um, what shoes are you wearing? Do your shoes yeah, have grip
1: exactly. or Are they slippery? Yeah. You know?
0: And when you're coming up off the ground, the other thing to realize is you're extraordinarily vulnerable. If somebody wanted to come in and take their free shot, and unfortunately, where alcohol is consumed, you can count that there's going to be some idiot or scumbag that won't yeah. mind saying, Hey, this is my free shot. You know, the fight's on, let's, let's throw something in there. And that's, I guess, probably one of my biggest concerns about Sutemi was in a real world environment is that it may work for the first dude, but if it doesn't, you now have to get up off the ground and you could be vulnerable. And
1: yeah. and, and, speaking it, from best, experience. and
0: now grant, Granted, getting up off the ground is something you, you should be training and practicing yes. But in your best, you're still vulnerable. At yeah. worst, you're going to be horrifically vulnerable and could easily get blasted as you come back to your feet or just walk, stand up into a choke or a headlock yeah. for somebody that's right there. So, um, For sure. And speaking yeah, from
1: experience, it doesn't take a long time for a one-on-one fight to become a multiple fight. No. Um, yeah. Because yeah. And that's as the we've thing. said, you know, you're know, you knocking to one person. People view
0: fights as being entertainment. And they, yeah. they're like, wow, there's look at how much footage you have of a street fight happening where people are whipping out phones like crazy they can get that camera going right now in addition to oh there's a free shot let me just take one there you go yeah Yeah. like I said you add alcohol you add drugs
1: and everyone wants to have that free shot or no not everyone that's that's (laughs) it some people want to take that free shot and obviously you getting up off the floor especially if you've not got that awareness or if you've got nothing behind you if you're in kind of no man's land Mm -hmm. and you've got you know you're in the middle of the the bar floor or something like that you've got no nothing to post up against like a cage or you know things like that or no bar to post up against or anything like that there's nothing behind you you haven't got that 360 awareness so at that point it's so so easy for someone that just fancies a bit of a pop to just come in swinging right around the back and just go pop as you're so you might be focusing on the guy in front that you've just done your semi-wazzle with but then you know as again speaking from unfortunate experience that one-on-one can quickly turn into you know two three
0: and then it it becomes like a mass one is one too many
1: (laughs) exactly yeah yeah
0: just takes the one guy or the one one jackass to to ruin this is the the thing with
1: self-defense you know no matter what you teach or preach or or training there's always someone tougher than you and all you have to take in a self-defense situation is one bad day or one bad split second or one bad millisecond of a wrong decision or the wrong timing add alcohol into the mix, add, add people, add a dance floor, add, you know, sticky floor, wet floor, things like that. Other people, obstacles, like it's an absolute nightmare. You know, mm-hmm. you think it's difficult sparring one-on-one with shin guards, boxing, you know, you've got your gum shield and things like that. Take that into a bar environment. It's a completely different scenario. And that one split second can, you know, again, speaking from experience can cost you, you right. know, and you get punched and you go, Oh shit. And then you've got to try and recover for it. Or you wake up and go, Oh, or well, hopefully you wake up, you know, as we've, as we just said, you know, it, it can, it can turn really dark really quickly.
0: Yep. It can. Um, you know, and I, and I find that that Sutemi has got some really great potential to add into training to make it more alive. Yeah. And, 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 when I say that, I mean, you know, you get used to Nage as being Nage, you're throwing Uke down, and you're usually throwing an Uke that's used to being thrown. He's not frightened of the ground or she, um, Because they have guru Kemi, they know to let go, or they, you know, are basically trained to let go. But what I found when you have people that don't know guru Kemi, they will hold on for dear life. For one of two reasons. One is they're terrified of the ground and holding on to you, they think I won't have to fall if I hold on. Or the second is if I'm going, you're going. You go down with me. Basically, just the pure instinct can be if you're getting thrown. And if we, we count ourselves as, as being able to successfully take somebody's posture and throw them, yeah. that our victim or the person that's attacked us that we are throwing could just hold on for dear life and try to try to sutemi us. It may not be a, a textbook uh, version of a sutemi, but it will be a panic sutemi. Yeah. Um, and so, therefore, I encourage when, when students are starting to get. Uh, fairly comfortable with the pattern of learning a technique for a throw is to tell uke okay, all right throw in a sutemi once in a while mm-hmm. be that panicked person that you're terrified to going to the ground and because it will test nage's technique it'll test their posture and it will make nage more adaptable you don't get stuck into your agenda of i know the technique that's going to happen i know how it's going to come out and you sort of just cruise because yes. the surprise will take you when that person doesn't let go the way you always train it and you're, it, yeah. now you're going you were the one you're Nage, and now you're going for a ride yeah. and 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 so i think that that's it's a great thing to have that little bit of unpredictability come in start coming into play and then of course you expand on it as people get more experienced and and it does make it fun um yeah
1: for sure yeah it's an awesome area to train but i think as you just said you know people's natural instinct sometimes is to grab on and mm-hmm. this is what happens you know you See, you see it in street fights and you see it in competition fights, especially if you look at the early UFCs, what happened? They struck, yep. they got to a certain distance, then they grab hold. Boxers do it the same thing. They yeah. clinch up, they grab hold, you know, yeah. whether it's to get a quick breath or something like that, or they just, you know, they tie up and they clinch in. Yeah. Clinch is definitely a thing. And I don't think it's studied quite enough. And that thing where, yeah. you know, you're trying to throw someone and you just can't get them off. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. you know, and as as people who, who practice more of the traditional arts like aikido jiu-jitsu things like that where maybe it's more compliant and it's not as competition based we don't get as used to that that grip on stage where someone is just gripping on for for dear life whether they're gripping on your gi whether they're grabbing around your head because half the time as you know a sacrifice throw you're going to end up on the ground as well Mm -hmm. and at that point it doesn't take much for them to roll you over and then suddenly they're on the top and that's just a bad position to be in again that's even before you thought about, you know, oh shit, I need to get up off the floor. It's like, well, now it's just 10 times harder because they've rolled me and now I'm on my back and they're on top of me and it's a really bad position to be in.
0: And I think it's a a widely known, even not necessarily just among martial artists, but among people who are martial arts fans, that if you take someone off their feet, chances are you're gonna have a better better advantage with them. Because most martial arts train on their feet and many of them overlook training on the ground. And I, I want to throw one more point in there about the grip, and that is back into ancient times, thousands of years ago, the grip and the hand strength is one of the main uh, conditioning aspects that warriors found important. And I think for that very reason, you get a hold of somebody and, and they can't release your grip. Now you have an advantage position. Yeah. Um, and and it creates a mental advantage for you and a mental disadvantage for them. Sure. As well as just the power of being able to maneuver their body. And I, I mean, yeah. granted, Aikido tends to try to do that very gracefully and elegantly, but it comes from a, a rather brutal and brutal, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Origin of I grab you and I tip you and slam you down, and then you know, I jump on top of you, and then it's dagger in the in the eye or a dagger in the throat. I mean, that's yeah. medieval and ancient warfare all day long.
1: 101, yeah, one, one, yeah. Yeah, you, know, you grab them you rag them around, you take them off right. balance, then
0: If then... you're not strong enough to keep hold well, then you're going to, you know, you'll yeah. go back and work on your grip strength because that's yeah. a that's a huge part of the game.
1: Exactly, yeah. And that's something, to be fair, I think Aikido does well because mm-hmm. we do so many attacks from grabs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think the grip strength in Aikido is good for most people just because mm-hmm. from day one we're taught katatomuchi, riotamuchi, things like that. So the grips are really, really good. And maybe that's something that needs to be introduced into more martial arts as well, more of that grip strength and things like that. Mm-hmm. So maybe less techniques from striking more techniques from grappling uh, or grappling and and grappling and things like that so i think that's an important it's a a good thing i think in terms of conditioning and we spoke about this yesterday on the forum but you know we're saying about athletes being conditioned and things like that i think aikido or you know good aikido um, practitioners have got good grip strength they might fail in other areas or not be as athletic in other areas but i think in general the grip strength is pretty good because we're taught from day one to start grabbing wrists start grabbing lapels Um, and start grabbing you know in various different ways and a lot of the techniques and a lot of the um the uh yeah like the yeah the techniques um they all stem from grabs Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and and i when i look at judo and i love judo of course i I love a lot of martial arts i'll I'll tell you but but i think judo and aikido really are they're beyond complementary they're really woven all the principles of each one are interwoven so closely I admire that judo does so much work from the clinch because I do believe, from a self-defense standpoint, a clinch is a very natural position to get into. Oh, for sure, yeah. And and if anything, I mean, I really admire how aikido tends to look at getting to a flank, moving off to a side, because that is a strength of any strategy, um, and that's whether you're you're fighting a, a battle in terms of an army, you don't want to face an army head-on, you want to go around beside them or behind them, uh, all the way to to one-on-one, but I think that Aikido could use a bit more work on the study of being in that clinch, yes. you know, I, and, and the, the concept, and I know we're going to get into this in our next show about, well, I just, you never get into a clinch. You never allow yourself to be in that clinch. is just not a mm-hmm. significant, just not an acceptable answer. You just mm-hmm. might be caught there. And so knowing yeah. what to do and being comfortable from there, more like a judoka is, because I mean, that's where they, they do everything from that from that standpoint and so of course what you practice at you get better they they do that stuff really well and if you uh, say
1: you've never been in a clinch you've never had a fight
0: right i'm going to mm-hmm. say that now because exactly. if you
1: say that you're never going to end up in a clinch in a fight you've got no real world experience of having a fight or an altercation exactly. you've exactly. got only dojo training and like oh i'd, I'd stop the clinch before it happens mm-hmm. No, i'm sorry you just don't have it, yeah and it don't it, have any experience fortunately it shows
0: a very low level of understanding yeah, yeah. Uh, And that's something we need to address as, as martial artists, as Aikidoka, you know, uh, we really need to understand the realm of violence, not to say that we indulge in, in applying uh, or getting into fights or, or revel in violence, but we have to understand it inside and out, up and down and be able to handle it well.
1: Yeah. Um, you got to dance with the devil occasionally. Yeah. And that doesn't mean going out looking. I added uh,
0: clinch defenses to my, my yellow belt test. Because it's so prominent that somebody could walk up to you and you, you say, Hey, get away from me. And they put their hands on you. There it is. There's a clinch, mm-hmm. you know, and, and to say to the idea of using the excuse of, well, I'd never let it get to that point. Like how, how would you, other than staying home, how would you ever avert the person that could just walk up to you what are you going to stop them as somebody walks up to you and turn into like a ninja guy or
1: no you you know
0: you know how does that work realistically you go through a grocery store and say i'm not gonna you know because we're getting into that whole six foot you know social distancing thing and yeah yeah nobody's able to do that either you know Yeah. um, yeah
1: and it's been shown as well you know again look at youtube videos it's you know style versus style and things what happens a strike and then someone with very little, maybe six months to a year of wrestling, shoots in, down to the floor, done. Yep. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. how'd you stop it? You can't, they're just so athletic, they're so quick and they take you off guard. And it's like, oh shit. Like, yeah. You know, just stopping it, that's thats a, a it's an illusion from people that haven't been in that position, whether it's been you know, cross training and going, okay, well, I'm going to go and learn some mixed martial arts now, I'm going to go and learn some wrestling, I'm going to go and learn some BJJ, I'm going to learn something, or I'm going to learn some Thai and work the clinch from there or something like that. If you just say, oh, no, I would never end up in a clinch position. It's like, no, one class of MMA, you'll end up in a clinch. One class of BJJ, you'll probably end up in a clinch. One class of wrestling, you'll definitely end up in a clinch and you'll get taken down Mm -hmm. like against someone that has not done years and years, not an elite level athlete. You know, against a white belt, six months, a year, you will definitely end up clinched and you will definitely get taken to the ground.
0: Absolutely. So I think we could easily branch into, you know, justifying grabs and training from here or, you know, some of the other things, but I I think that hopefully we've covered the, the different considerations about Sutemi. And I I do want to wrap up kind of where we started and say, I I do love training. They're so much fun to do. Um, Great to be thrown by. Uh, I think as you get into the, the training, the fun part to me is learning to do them initially. I mean, right from the get go, they're pretty fun and surprising. Yeah, yeah. Um, my students, whenever I start showing them to them, they they do laugh. They almost get giddy because of how kind of cool they are. Uh, but as you get get along longer, I think they are a great tool to to introduce that live, unpredictable uke who's going to yes. try to mess you up. And 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 I wanted to address this as its own thing because. I've run into this in so many places, Um, not so much in the organization that I came up in because we had a bit more of a martial sort of attitude towards our training, but I've run into and and visited dojos that were very, uh, how would I describe this, very, uh, they viewed having Uke being creative at all as being a very taboo thing. You as Uke were, are there to do one thing, and exe- which is execute one single attack, and then you're the- not supposed to do anything else. Now, now from there on, Nage runs the show, and, and you're not supposed to resist. You're not supposed to, you know, and I get no, the- You can resist, but you've got to
1: resist in the right way.
0: Yeah, it's a good <laughs> thing to do for beginners and people that are just learning technique, and they're just trying to understand the basics and the fundamentals. You don't want to throw so many variables at them that they get confused. It's not a contest of will. But I do think that you that that training model does have its own ceiling. Like there's a, a limit to what you can do when you stay within that realm. And you, you know, for me, when I see student, my own students starting to get into the, you know, blue and purple, and certainly into the purple and brown levels, that's not enough anymore. Now you need to start introducing the different variables and start making it more challenging, challenging their technique. Um, and you obviously need to communicate with them about it. You're not there to be a dick. You're there to yeah. say, all right, you're doing this really well. Now I'm gonna to try to push the boundaries a little bit. And I want yeah. you to adapt and, and learn to adapt and, and use these different things. And I think Sutemi is a little bit farther along from that even. Yeah. Where okay, you know, now we're you're now you're getting this, this stuff down. You're you're comfortable now. Let's, let's take you a little past your comfort zone. I'm not going to start trying to wreck your technique and I'm not, I don't want to have this end with you standing over me and me on the ground. Yeah. And, and that's where Sutemi can be a great learning tool for, for the Nage that's throwing you, you get to practice your Sutemi or to try to, but you give them the, that unpredictable uh, Uke uh, experience. And and that's so valuable. I can't even, you don't need to get into a, a Conan pit, of dueling you know sort of crazy town to do active training you can do it in these measured ways and make it challenging and it's fun as long as you don't totally throw your student in the deep end or your partner
1: no it needs to be built up the same as anything
0: right and and the more they get used to it the more it's just you know happenstance in fact i'll share this one story and it's related to this because this really was a sutemi uh, ex, uh, experience and this was quite a while back I was actually training with a um, uh, wrestling mentor of mine and he we were working on you know jumping over hopping over and dropping down into a um, into a uh, collar tie or I think judo calls that the uh, what is it the um, where you get your arm around the neck I'm totally blanking on the term I so know this one uh, uh right yeah and I go to this friendship seminar and there's people there with Jeet Kune Do backgrounds, karate backgrounds, Aikido, some BJJ. And it's like, you just partner with anybody you get. Yeah. So we're uh, the instructors teaching some Aikido and I'm working with this, this guy from, you know, the karate realm. And you can tell by the gi and I go in to do, you know, basically a, a Sayunage or a kokinage, And I see his eyes just go, at the idea that I've just tipped him backwards and I'm solid and he's not, and he just grabs onto my gi and he goes because he had no choice. And suddenly I find my my shoulders being brought forward. He he got my posture even though I started you know pretty upright. I That's didn't right. predict yeah. that this was going to happen, but I'm like, oh, we would been practicing this hop over. So he goes down. I hip I I jump my hips and legs over his and I slide right into a kesa And by the time he hits the ground, is about the t- just a second after is when his brain starts realizing, oh, I'm not falling anymore. And by yeah. that time, I had snaked around into Kessa and I had total control of him. But I never for one second really was surprised. Just for right. one moment, was like, oh, I'm, I'm tipped. I'm going forward. Hop over, get into control position. And it was done. Yeah. Um, and it didn't take that long to train that motion. I think we'd only been working on that like maybe two weeks or two mm-hmm. couple of classes. Yeah. But the idea of getting out of that surprise of oh my gosh what's going on what do I do about this
1: that's it yeah
0: you know and Sutemi is a great tool for that
1: yeah it's the adaptability is always isn't it you need to be able, if you if you're going to be a good martial artist you need to be adaptable mm-hmm. and it's just as simple as that you need to adapt to different things and you know doing the kihonaza and things like that is, is cool and it's a good way to build principles yeah. but as always it's some of the the techniques are good but it's the setup that's sometimes the problem and the way that it's seen is some of the problem the way it's practiced. some of the problem but it's often not taught especially in traditional martial arts that adaptability because it's like oh you must stick to the tradition you must stick to the kionwaza you must stick to you can kind of go off in and do your jiwaza or your randori but that's a specific thing Mm -hmm. but for now we're going to teach the kionwaza and you know there's not much fluctuation between that and that adaptability from my experience hasn't been taught that much Mm -hmm. and you know it's as, as you said it's it's that resisting part but Sometimes you've got to resist in the right way, and like, oh, you, you're resisting wrong. It's like, well, yeah. I'm resisting the way that I would resist. You know, you've right. told me to resist. I'm resisting. You mm-hmm. can't say resist in a certain way because then that's not resisting; that's complying.
0: Because I'm. And, and I think the mindset to go about this, and and I, maybe I I fell into this accidentally, because you know we've all seen and and probably experienced when suddenly your uke breaks the pattern and they start messing with you. <laughs> and, it, and it works and you're like you, then you start getting pissed you know what are you doing you know how dare you what i what i came into was oh now i get to have some fun now yeah. i get to now i get to play yeah and if you take it on, take like with anything in the world anything in our lives your experience is going to be based on your attitude that, of how you look at that thing yeah for sure and if if it's martial arts you enjoy you will love the opportunity to, to go beyond just, oh, we're going to work on this one particular technique. Now, I'm, I love being adaptable. Like,
1: yeah. let's
0: test. Let's play around with it. Yeah. But you never take in that competitive mindset. And this is where I do attach to uh, Osensei's criticism of competition in that you never view of like viewing your the person you're dealing with out of a position of anger. And as mm-hmm. a competitor, I'll tell you, if you go into a, a competition angry or at least this was my experience it will distort your uh you, your strategy it will it will make you less efficient it will make you make mistakes it will make you impatient uh, all the things that smart uh being a smart fighter or a smart martial artist anger and frustration and all those negative things will start to tear down yeah. your ability to make good decisions and sure. that could be in the heat of the moment, or it could be in, in the setup into what could become yeah. a bad situation. And so, you know, then this, this affects us right down to the mat. And so, you know, while I, do, I don't like having my students turn a class into a complete free-for-all, I also <laughs> tell them, like, you have to realize that when somebody decides to start messing with you, it's time to turn the switch on and finish it. Yeah. You can view it like you're playing, which you should. You know, yeah. enjoy, like savor it. This is your this is your your chance to play. So you're not yeah, getting so. or or anything like that. But it's it, to me that's a good time. That's for sure. And maybe that sounds weird. I hope it comes out the way that I'm hoping or the way that I'm intending. Um, but have the time for play. And I and I really like how Joe Tambu talked about this in our conversation. He said, you know, it's good to end class in with play. Let yeah. let the students play. Have them because you learn from that playing around like puppies or kittens that are wrestling around (laughs) and doing their play fighting. They're learning, they're learning about combat, but they're, they're not killing each other either. No. So, you know, but Sutemi fits right in there. I think it's, it is almost an integral part of learning to be adaptable for what somebody could really do when they panic, when you throw them. And as our aikidoists we're going to be throwing people that's sort of what we do <laughs> so yeah, it's what you guys do definitely yeah, yeah. Be, be ready for what happens when somebody does panic because i think they will and and we, we and if you think about taking new people we have to untrain them yeah for panicking when we throw them and that takes a while you know yeah,
1: exactly yeah you need to get that confidence to, to yeah. you know, have the safety to to fall properly and yeah as you said that does take a while and takes You know, to build up that confidence to be able to do it and then properly throw is, you know, it's a skill in itself before Mm -hmm. you even get to the
0: techniques. Right. Exactly. And then as well as the ability to, like we said earlier, to take, uh oh, I'm being thrown or I'm tripped or I'm falling and I'm going to take somebody and turn this around into them taking a flight. Um, And you can have the confidence there of saying, I know how to take Ukemi. You may not. This is not going to come up bad pressure again. This is going to come up bad for you. you know, I don't think if I was in the position, regardless of the environment, if I was somehow being thrown or my balance was being compromised and I was going to the ground, I don't think I would say, no, I'm not going to execute a sutemi here mm-hmm. because that would be even worse. I, I think I would yeah. lean more towards, whoops, you're, you ran into a wall and now you're going to be in the hospital versus now you're standing over me and I just hit yeah, the yeah. ground. Like, yeah, it's all circumstantial
1: again. As, as everything yeah, anything.
0: Exactly. Like. And it's tough to have a hard and fast formula because we can't are so different, you
1: know. But again, it goes back to that adaptability, doesn't it? That you have to learn through something, you know, through no matter what martial art you practice, you have to be adaptable to the situation. And whether that's in sparring, whether that's in Randori, whether that's in wrestling or just, you know, or whether, as you just said, it's just in that in that 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 free play. You right. know, where you can just kind of go, okay, well, we're going to step slightly away from the, the rigid Keyon now, And we're just going to have a little bit of fun and just see where it goes, you know. And mm-hmm. at the end of it, you shake hands and, you know, and it's all good. But that's your kind of your testing time, maybe, to kind of go, okay, well, let's just see what happens. You know, the same yeah. as if you put yeah. a pair of gloves on, put your gum shield in and go, all right, well, let's just go, you know, a couple of minute rounds and let's just see what happens. We've worked this this drill today. We've done jab, cross and a hook. Today, mm-hmm. let's just see what we can do when we actually put it into a spa we'll take the pads off and put the gloves on
0: i would equate that to you know if you're learning guitar or piano or drums or something and you you practice just this song and that song and the other song and then you say hey how about we how about just let's jam let's
1: yeah exactly yeah you learn the scales and yeah. then you improv. Yeah. And
0: mm-hmm. then you start soloing over the top or
1: doing whatever. And then you get someone else to come in and have some chords in the background and you just build mm-hmm. it up, build it up, build it up until suddenly you've got a song or you've got a band or you've got a performance. Yeah. yeah. But or you just enjoyed those...
0: playing an improvised song and it was, a, it was fun, you know? Yeah, uh, exactly. I think that's, that's a, a, a great way to look at it as opposed to, I'm going to start messing with Nage's technique and try to be, <laughs> you know, uh, surprise them with it or, or, wind up getting into that competitive mindset yeah um, well
1: this is this is the, again the good thing about Aikido where it is that relationship mm-hmm. where you help each other right and but I think sometimes the helping each other hinders each other as well because you're too helpful so well, it's like, it's, well I
0: think the nature of how am I going to help you if we're working together yeah. and I can see you're coasting that you, you you're so yeah. well versed in your footwork and your movements that you're just yeah. you're kind of mentally checking out
1: yeah you go through the help
0: you by by getting you out of that zone and and kind of making you pay attention, and and this is something I guess you might call it the martial version of tough love, uh, yeah, yeah. the fact that you know I'm not just going to let you sit and enjoy your your victory after victory after victory because we don't learn much by succeeding, we really Ooh. learn when we fail, um, and and that's what you know we learn okay what adjustment should I have made and and that's of course you get more and more difficult as the more you train which is the point of the whole thing and why sure. you know you don't just train for 6 months and say i've learned all this and i'm done i'm done yeah <laughs> you know that's any martial artist will laugh you out in the street if you if you yeah. show that attitude so um, so no i think we've covered a lot of this hopefully this this answers a lot of the questions or you know the the inquiry that the my, my listener had and i really appreciate the suggestion so Uh, definitely keep the suggestions coming. I'd love to hear more of them. In fact, just in this discussion, I'm writing down a couple of topics, I think (laughs) we can get into
1: down the rabbit Uh, hole.
0: Yeah, there's there's much to discuss. And I think a lot that people would be interested in hearing about. So uh, let's definitely do this again. But I'll let you wrap up with any any concluding thoughts. What uh, about anything you're doing or anything you'd like to point people to or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. So just, yeah, thank you again for having me on. It's, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And, you know, we had our initial conversation a few weeks ago, didn't we? We just thought oh, we'll check in, we'll get to know each other. And like maybe an hour and a half, two hours later, we we're still discussing the intricacies of Aikido and traditional martial <laughs> arts. And it's, but I love that. I'll just speak about martial arts all day. It's my passion and, you know, obviously promoting stuff through my my blog and my podcast and things. I get to speak to so many great martial artists and from all different backgrounds as well. And, you know, t- learning through them i suppose even if you're speaking to them you can still learn about their philosophies and things like that and you know from people like joe tambu sensei who i studied under for many many years um and who i consider my my aikido influence to you know people that have done mma people that are doing boxing you know people that have sparred mike tyson and was mike tyson's sparring partner we've got on the podcast soon and it's just it's yeah it's, it's a great thing and i think martial arts are great for that in terms of just bringing people together and and the culture and i think you can find something for everyone
0: in it. absolutely in fact i'm going to leave a, a, a link to your podcast in the show notes for this pay, for this uh, episode Perfect. And, Thank um, you You know i I, th- I think it's an important we're, we're at important an important time now to reflect of course we're always at an important time but aikido is about connecting and the idea that we connect with other martial artists with with experience we can learn from them and that's that's we can get a wealth of information um I'm one of those people I like learning from other people's mistakes as much as my own, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. because it's, it's a little less painful that way. Uh, yeah, for sure. But, but of course we always learn from our own experiences as well, but we shouldn't be limited to that. And no,
1: never limit yourself. Like yeah, always exactly. learn, always be a student and just yeah. keep learning everything you can. I think. And that's, that's always the way.
0: Absolutely. So, well, thank you for being on the show. It was great to talk to you again. I'm sure we'll be doing it again soon. You are um, more than welcome. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, you take care and have a great day. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this discussion. Stay tuned for more episodes. I've got some great stuff on the way very soon. In the meantime, enjoy your training.